Hi, I'm Adam. And I'm Aida. And welcome to the Fly on the Wall podcast. Our first episode being conducted via Zoom. Today on the pod, we're excited to have Mike Ritchie, who is currently Director of Communication for Maryland Governor Larry Hogan and point person for the state's communication strategy in its response to the coronavirus. Before assuming his current role, he worked for 12 years in the House for numerous representatives, including House Speakers John Boehner and Paul Ryan, and in speechwriting. The schedule's been pretty hectic lately, so needless to say, we're thrilled to have him on. But before we get into the interview, don't forget to follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at FlyOnTheWallPod. And going virtual is hard, so if you have any comments, suggestions, or tips, you can email us at FlyOnTheWallPodcast at gmail.com. Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for joining us in this hectic time. Thank you for having me. Yeah, the first thing before we get into the heavier stuff, um, here at Flying the Wall, we're sort of interested in people's backgrounds. And one thing we want to ask is, what inspired you to work in politics in the first place? Uh, well, when I was a kid, my father would let me stay up late for two things, uh, World Series games and President Reagan's Oval Office addresses. And I would watch these and I thought, this was a big deal that this man was giving us important information and I loved the the theater of it. And ever since then, I would read books about speeches and read, uh, read, you know, read good writing. And I wanted to grow up to be a speechwriter. And I was fortunate enough uh, to do that. But yeah, that's how it started. I just, I just got really into speeches when I was a kid. That's awesome. And you've worked in, you know, state politics and national politics. So can you tell us a bit about your experience um, since transitioning into state politics? How is that different? Uh, It's very different uh, for two reasons. First is on the state level, things happen a lot faster. Uh, You go from, uh, you know, on Capitol Hill, it takes usually takes months, weeks, years uh, to write a big policy. We did a, I did the tax reform bill that the Congress passed in 2017, and that was easily a five, 10-year project. Uh, here on the state level, things happen much faster. The governor has broader authority. So sometimes you're making policy by text message, or you are really just doing things on the fly. Uh, and so you have to get used to that pace of things as opposed to how policy is made at the federal level. Um, also I had to get used to, uh, you know, with states you're dealing with, you have a lot of county leaders, local leaders, uh, it's a, on the Hill you have, you would think it's a, I actually think it's a bigger, uh, broader platform on the state level because you're dealing with, you're more directly dealing with your constituents, more directly dealing with trade associations on the national level. You're really far removed from those things. You're sort of in this bubble with Twitter and, uh, the meet the hill the hill press and so on the state level it's a much more direct form of uh, of engagement. You find it more of a challenge to connect with constituents on a statewide level rather than on a national wide level. Um, it, it's interesting. I I think that people um, what I found especially in this crisis that we're in now is people really just want to be uh, heard, listened to, so to speak. People want to know that someone, even if you don't have the right answer, you know, I think that sometimes we, especially in communications, you guys, uh, I know you talk to all the, you know, great communicators, our job is to spin things, to put polish on things. And especially in a situation like this, we don't have good answers or all the answers, but people just want to hear that someone is being responsive and 
that someone is at least uh, understanding what they're going through. And uh, I've learned that even if you don't have a good answer, you should at least have an answer and, um, you know, just keep a two-way uh, street of communication going. I, I usually refer to it as just good faith, you know, operating in good faith and trying to reach people where they are. Yeah, so let's talk um, a little bit about how your day-to-day -day looks like during a crisis working in communications. Um, how has it been like working for Larry Hogan's office, especially at this time? Um, every day has several days within it, I would say. Um, we have a morning meeting with the sort of unified team, command team across the government. Uh, we have reports from the health sector, from transportation, from the emergency management sector, and the governor makes, so the governor's briefed, and then he makes a certain amount of decisions. And then those decisions kind of translate into what the rest of the day will be like, whether we're gonna have a press conference to announce something, whether we're gonna do interviews with local media or national media. He's also chair of the National Governors Association, so we have a good amount of uh, national stuff to do and stuff with other governors. So right now, it's really the sort of the morning. Uh, you don't really know, in general in this business, you don't really know what your day is gonna be like, which is one of the great things about it, but um, everything sort of begins from that jumping point in the morning where you get you know, the latest data on cases, uh, the latest challenges we're having, and then the day kind of unfolds uh, from there, I would say. Um, but every hour, you really have to, I, I keep saying to my, myself and members of my team, you know, you really have to compartmentalize. You're gonna go from talking about what's going on in hospitals to uh, students needing laptops for distance learning to uh, you have businesses that don't know whether they're essential and don't know how they're gonna get through this. Uh, you have a uh, small thing, you know, you, whatever it is, and you have to keep, you know, and you could deal with all those things in the span of an hour or so. So you have to keep, kind of keep your head about you and keep trying to give each situation the thoughtfulness uh, that it deserves. Yeah, and in trying to keep that sort of composure, I can imagine it's difficult only because there's so much racing through your head. Um, and how do you end up striking that balance between making people, you know, understand the gravity of this crisis without causing mass hysteria? Yeah, it's sort of the art of being uh, realistic and reassuring at the same time. And I think that people, they want clarity, they want honesty. Again, I think that uh, you have to trust that if you give people information, you, know, you want to level with people. I think that I've never, uh, I've always believed that uh, our job in government is, uh, you know, simplify the complicated and to trust people with the information, to level with them, not feel like you have to be condescending that, oh, we know what's best for you. Here's what we know. Um, I say this a lot to people because they say, oh, you're hiding. I say, I know, you know, you know what I know. And that's true. I don't, you know, we're not going to hide things from people. Um, and again, it's, it's uh, uh, the, the key, I think, is that people do want a sense of, not optimism, but a sense that uh, solidarity, that we're, you know, um, that we're in it together. Uh, that's sort of one of the lines that uh, our speechwriter kind of keyed in on early on was that we are uh, in this together. And that's sort of been the motto that's kind of spanned out across the state. And I think that people, um, this is a line I think I got from the West Wing, but in a crisis, people want to feel like soldiers, 
like they're on the front lines with you and they're in it with you. And I, I really think that's uh, applicable now. And I think that's how you strike that balance is by mobilizing people, by making them part of your effort, are part of your undertaking. Yeah. And um, in such a rapidly changing situation, you know, there's so much going on. So I have kind of two questions. The first is, how do you get your news? Um, where are your primary, like, sources of information, and then with guidelines coming from so many places, how do you kind of navigate that? So information's coming from everywhere. What do you do? Uh, that's a, those are great questions. I'll take the second one first, which is um, we get information from CDC, obviously, from Federal Health Department. Um, we have our health department. We have things that our locals want to say. Um, our health department to me is what I want people to consider. I, I sort of want to run, it, run everything through that and make sure that our health department, like, so even if it's federal, if it's local, to me, what matters is what our health department wants to say. And everything we do, you know, we are the governor's office, but everything we do, uh, our deputy health secretary, Fran Phillips, is really um, sort of our field general in this crisis. And really everything we say about this really goes through her. Uh, so that uh, she agrees with what we're saying. And, you know, because it's not about the what the, the politicians want to say. It's not about what uh, the local officials want to say. It's This is a public health crisis and public health information uh, has to be first and foremost. So we, we distill everything, but we really try to make sure that our health people uh, look at everything so that uh, we have sort of one uh, guideline for that. Uh, where do we get news? We have, um, we, we still, we, uh, we, have, we get, we get clips twice a day in the governor's office at 7 a.m. and 5 p.m. Um, so that's sort of the times of day when we all gather around and, and read the clips for the day. But obviously, um, I keep a close eye. One thing about this job that I love is I always grew up loving local news. I think people still do trust their local news people, their anchors, their weather people, and their correspondents. And uh, being on Twitter with them, and engaging with them personally on Twitter, and hearing from them throughout the day on what they're covering, what they're seeing, somebody's going to do a story on this. And then if you know if one person's going to do a story on something, maybe four others will. So you need to get to those people before it spins into a whole narrative. Um, so a lot of the information and how we get our news is really from the people reporting it themselves, especially in this crisis, and knowing what they want to talk about and kind of seeing every day where that quorum, so to speak, of you know the narrative is. People for like today, about 20 minutes, our unemployment claims will come out and people will see how many people file for unemployment in Maryland. And I assure you, there will be a raft of stories about that this morning. And then, you know, so knowing kind of where the, the energy is going to be is helpful. Um, so we have to try to stay ahead of the curve as best we can. If you're reading a story, like if you're reading a story cold, like you didn't know the story was coming or you didn't know people were going to be talking about this, you are, you're, especially in something, a fast moving situation like this, uh, you're really behind. So you want to stay ahead of it as best you can. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's how you get your news. Um, I'm curious is how have you used regular news sources and alternative news sources? Like I saw Ravens coach Sean Harbo was giving a PSA. How have you used those to reach out to uh, people in Maryland who maybe wouldn't have normally been tuned into local news sources? Um, so one of our most important things is that you should get information from trusted, reliable sources. And we realized that we wanted to reach as broad an audience as possible. And um, so the governor did uh, DC Sports Radio the other day. 
um, which again, normally that's not something the governor would do. Uh, you know, he's got a lot going on, but uh, we want to reach as broad an audience as possible. You know, if you do CNN, MSNBC, Fox, yes, you reach a lot of people. But if you think about it, you're reaching sort of the same rotation of people watching the news. Maybe more people are watching now because it's a crisis, but there's those sort of high information news consumers that you're always going to reach. Right. So trying to reach people who are maybe listening to sports radio or people who, uh, Coach Harbaugh, we just called the Ravens and within 24 hours, pretty much, uh, Coach had done it and we gotten it up on social media. Just people hearing from uh, people they trust and people they, uh, you know, they identify with. And I think that that's, I'm hoping you'll see more of that. I, I keep, I have this list in my head of prominent Marylanders that I'm trying to get through, but um, uh, that's a good, that is a good question. And we, um, and again, in a crisis, uh, you really don't want to, you want to sort of throw out the rule book and, you know, we don't reject any ideas here right now, whatever it takes to get the word out. <clears throat> I have another question. Um, and that is in a time of crisis like this, we'd hopes that hope that politics goes to the back burner. Um, but, and governor Hogan has been one of the more most active governors in responding to a crisis like this. But, um, at times directives from, you know, the white house have been, changing um the president says he'd like to get the country back by easter and also governor hogan is head of the republican governor association so he has to work with other governors who have, some of whom have been more passive and more active i'm just curious what's it been like to coordinate that effort nationally and, and not just within your state so i think what's interesting is that um you know on, on capitol hill um when members of Congress want to talk to each other. It's like long email chains about schedulers getting together uh, and, you know, setting up a meeting. And then what's the meeting going to be about? Who's going to staff it? Governors uh, communicate uh, directly, instantly. You know, on any given day, the governor will be texting with this governor. Oh, this governor just called me, left me a voicemail. This governor emailed me. Uh, it's, a lot of, uh, it's a lot of communication among the principals, which is great. Um, because I think a lot more things get done that way and they coordinate with each other. You know, what are you hearing about this? What are you saying about this? They want to be on the same page. They want to be unified. They want to exchange notes. Um, and I think that that helps us coordinate a unified uh, governor's message. It just so happens in this crisis that our vice chair is uh, Governor Cuomo this year was our, was our vice chair. And obviously he has the worst situation right now of all the states, but uh, our office and his office. I talked to Governor Cuomo's communications director uh, last Friday night, um, which again on the Hill, I couldn't tell you how, I mean, I, I knew some people in Pelosi's office, but talking to my Democratic counterpart, that isn't something I really ever did. Um, whereas here, you know, you just reach out to somebody and you can, you'll have an instant sort of uh, bond and, and discussion. So um, I think the way we do it is just keeping in constant touch and um, having a unified front, um, which is not a political imperative in this case. It just really is the, you know, we have, you know, we don't want states competing for equipment and, you know, we want, we want to be on the same page. And uh, so I think this is a case where our political communications and public health imperatives align. And so I think that's one of the reasons you're seeing such, um, but, you know, there isn't, um, just to put a pin on that, there isn't, um, it isn't like, oh, the White House said this, now we all have to get together and respond. It, you know, governors are, 
you're, you're moving all day. You're not sitting sitting by the television waiting for the president to say something. You know, it, it's, uh, it moves much faster than that. And, you know, there's so much to learn from management of this crisis. So what's, what's a, kind of a main takeaway from how this crisis have been, has been messaged and will be messaged? You know, how should leaders learn from this, um, from Governor Hogan to the president to local mayors to, mm-hmm. you know, senators? And co- like, what's, what's the main takeaway? Uh, you really have to throw out the rule book. You know, when I, in communications in this business, you know, you're supposed to, you get an email from a reporter, you get all the information, you diligently answer it. Um, in a crisis, that is a, uh, that is a slow, antiquated way of doing things. You have to get information out accurately, uh, precise, accurate information, but to do it aggressively. And whether that's, again, the person on Twitter who's spreading a rumor to, uh, you know, obviously the mainstream media to, a, to, to you know, maybe more of a political blog, um, you, you cannot operate that thinking that it's a normal day or that it's a normal environment. You have to get information out, share, you know, it's a rapid, I keep, I keep saying this is a rapidly evolving situation that has to have rapidly evolving communications. You, know, you have to get information out. Don't put any spin on it. Just get it out to people. And that's what, you know, people are at home, literally at home right now uh, because of our orders and they're waiting for information. Um, so that's one of my first takeaways. And my second is that you really, um, you have to be constantly, as I said, uh, I said evolving, but also adapting throughout the, you know, there are things we're doing now we weren't doing a week ago. There are things we were doing more toward the beginning. You know, we were having press conferences almost nightly. We sort of went back to a more traditional sort of morning press conference model. Um, you know, there are things that we're going to keep trying throughout the crisis and adapting. You know, I'm constantly checking in with people, trying to get ideas, always trying to be a sponge. Um, some ideas I have are terrible and my team, thankfully, filters them out. Um, but um, you can't sort of say, okay, you know, we have this uh, planning grid for normal times, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Monday, we're going to talk about the census. Tuesday, we're going to talk about healthcare. Uh, every day now is its own set of days and um, no day is going to be look, look like the other. So I think the other takeaway I would say is just you have to keep adapting, keep changing, keep, uh, again, keep trying to stay ahead, uh, as I've said, of the curve. <clears throat> yeah. And just going back to what you talked about earlier with your previous experiences, how do you think that's prepared you for this role? And did you feel prepared? Do you feel more prepared um, kind of going forward? Um, <clears throat> well, I will tell you that the first Saturday uh, the I work for Speaker Boehner. The first Saturday of uh, Speaker Boehner's speakership was in January 2011 when Congresswoman uh, Gabby Giffords was shot in Arizona. You may remember that. And again, it was our first Saturday in the speakership in the majority in the House. And um, most of us were at home. We were tired. Um, and going through that, and going through, uh, we had government shutdowns, debt limit fights. These are all, you know, fiscal clips. Another shooting in 2017 on the ball field in Alexandria when our whip, Steve Scalise, was shot. Um, you just go through, as you go through crises, you kind of build up, uh, you know, you, you build up scar tissue and you, um, unfortunately, you learn how to adapt and, and how to compartmentalize and how to get through a crisis. 
So you really do call on your experience and trying to keep, I'm generally, <clears throat> I generally try to do the whole level-headed thing, the whole Zen thing. Now normally, you know, and funny, in normal political times, it doesn't work as well because, you know, some people want to get excited about things, some people want to get down about things. But in a crisis, it's a little better, uh, I think, uh, because I can just, I, I just, I've been through this so many times with crises and um, I think keeping your head about you and projecting that uh, to the, to remember your, if you are a, uh, we call us here at the state level, we call ourselves PIOs, public information officers. And if your job, if that's your job, your job is to project a certain, not just information, but a certain sense of calm uh, to the public and reassuring. So be reassuring. So um, that's just something I picked up over, over the years. Yeah. Well, thank you, Michael, for being with us. Before you go, we just have, I have one other last question. Um, I'm just curious. So you're running basically a 24 seven operation in terms of getting information to people in Maryland. What do you do personally to find down a little bit? I know you don't have much time. Well, in a previous life, I was a runner, uh, a lot of running and uh, I have two beautiful children, three and one year old, three year old and one year old. Um, I read a lot of history. I read, I've been reading about FDR during World War II uh, right now. Uh, I read a lot about British prime ministers, actually. I like to study the British system. I think it's a more uh, interesting form of politics, uh, actually. So uh, when we're not going through a 24-7 crisis, I am reading, running, and uh, trying to be a, a good dad. And I, I, uh, I look forward to, uh, to getting back to some of those things. If I could say one thing before we go, um, I want to make sure that if you guys could help me get the word out to young people that young people are vulnerable to this, uh, to this coronavirus too. Um, more than half of the cases in Maryland are people between the ages of 20 to 50. I think you guys know that the, there was a church in Georgetown where the rector, uh, and that transmitted and that went to a lot of people, right? Anyone can get this, anyone can transmit it. And one of the reasons I want to talk to you guys is just to ask for your help and getting out the word to your, uh, to your, I know that you guys are all split up now, but uh, to your fellow students and making sure that people know um, to, you know, get them for, go where they can go to, I'm sure Georgetown is supplying its own information to students and, you know, learn about this virus, understand it, um, check in with your parents, your grandparents. Um, you know, we, we, are, we, we really, we need everybody who's communicating and everybody who's, um, we just, it's, I think it's really important. So any help you can give me with that is appreciated. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for talking to us about your experiences and for all of your work on the crisis. Um, this is a very changing, different time for us, but we're lucky to have people like you working on it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much to Mike Ritchie for joining us on the pod. Stay tuned because we have a lot more episodes zooming your way this semester. Huh, zooming, get it? And before you leave, don't forget to follow us on social media. We are at Find the Wall Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at findthewallpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>